electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, big text, big blowout, and whether those great reports from Apple and Facebook and Microsoft and Alphabet mean that much-talked-about correction is now canceled. We're debating the markets now with and your, where your money will work best with the investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Degas Wright is the chief investment officer of Decatur Capital Management. Jenny Harrington, the CEO and portfolio manager, Gilman Hill Asset Management. John Nigerian, Josh Brown, good to see everybody today. Let's go to the wall. Well, stocks are mixed right now. The Dow's higher, barely. S&P's higher, barely. NASDAQ's down 56. The Russell is negative yields on the 10-year 165. Obviously, we're focused a lot on Apple and that big blowout. Doc, you said you weren't nervous going in, and I guess for good reason, because that was a blowout. Yeah, indeed, Scott. And um, in the case of Apple, 13 out of 14 analysts moved up their price targets after those numbers. Uh, Revenue 16% above estimates. Uh, EPS almost 42% above. I mean, these are phenomenal numbers, Scott. And obviously, gross margin, uh, the reason they can get up to 42.5% on the gross margin, Scott, is because of services. I mean, you know, you can sell lots of hardware, and Apple certainly did that, but services where you're not having to manufacture something, ship it, and all the rest. Instead, you're operating a a website, basically, Scott. that is a much more lucrative business for them, especially when it's somebody else's uh, intellectual property that you're actually selling in the case of the App Store and so forth. And getting all those in-game purchases or in-app purchases, that's phenomenal. So everything was good about the quarter. Um, I took off my covered calls. I will start rolling out higher and higher strikes of covered calls here. But yeah, it was a great quarter for Apple. I couldn't see a single thing in this quarter that wasn't just perfect. No kidding. I mean, right? Revenue up 54% year over year. And Josh, you know, look, I got to admit, I did not see this reaction in the market coming from this report. Apple is now negative today. And if you would have told me going in for a stock that really hasn't been a barn burner going into the number that it was going to blow out its report to the magnitude at which Apple did, and it would be negative when we come on the air? What gives? Well, I guess, can we agree on the idea that stocks are anticipatory and that people investing in equities are doing so on the basis of what they think will happen rather than what just happened? Like, do we have some common ground there, Scott, before I continue? Well, we do, but the stock hasn't done anything year to date. It's not like there was a massive run right into the number, so you get a little sell on the news. I, I get you there, but I'm surprised by this reaction. The stock has the stock the stock has added almost a trillion and a half dollars in market cap over the last 24 months. Okay, so 
then that's it. I, I just I'm at, I, I'm, at a, I'm at a loss for what I guess I, I I'm trying to understand like what what more like how much more it's 35 times earnings. It's okay. added more in market cap than almost any other publicly traded company has in total market cap in the last two years because people understand that things have been getting better and better and better for Apple. So sometimes oh, okay. great news comes out, you get a lackluster reaction because everyone has already been bidding up the stock in advance of that news. I, I wish there were like a more exciting and interesting explanation. People have made a ton of money in this stock expecting great results. Great results have now rewarded those investments right. that had already been made. And now stock investors say, okay, what's next? That's, that's one person's opinion. That, that, that's fair. You're entitled to have that. Degas, is it the right opinion now? Is it the right reason? Why isn't Apple up today? Is it because of what Josh said? Yeah, I think I agree with Josh. I think what we're seeing is that the price is already, the value has already been put into the price because, but if you look at the ecosystem that Apple has, I mean, the iPad, the Mac, the, uh, you know, the, the wearables, and then the iPhone, it's still a solid investment. It's very popular stock. Everyone knows about it. So it, they drove up the price, but this still is a good hold because this, the narrative around this story has not changed. All right, so what are you guys telling me? Is it, this is as good as it gets? Is that is that the issue here, Josh? This is as good as it gets? Is that no, is that what some of the selling so is? I don't think it's as good as it gets, but it's not a cheap stock. It's, it's obviously fully pricing in that the company will continue to execute, which it is. Um, and then the question is, like, they're going to buy back almost $100 billion more in stock than we thought two days ago. So that process whereby they, they continue to shrink the share count, thereby boosting the earnings per share, and also thereby boosting your share of what the earnings are if you continue to hold, that's been a huge tailwind for Apple shareholders for the last decade, uh, a decade during which people were concerned. Apple can't grow anymore, they can't innovate. Yes, but they can continue to shrink the share count. So this stock can trade higher, and that $2.25 trillion market cap doesn't necessarily have to skyrocket along with that higher share price. Warren Buffett has written about this at length in his uh, recent annual letters, that phenomenon whereby Berkshire's stake in Apple keeps going up. So do the earnings, so does the share price. I think that that can continue to happen for the next year, two years, three years, five years. You just don't ne won't necessarily see the stock price get credit for that on any one day. So I think we have to lengthen, uh, open the aperture a little bit wider Understood. through which we view and, the story. And, and I'm it's not, so big. I, I hear you. I'm not suggesting that I'm looking at Apple in a one-day deal in, in any way. Sure. I agree. It's I agree just, with you or not. When, when you look at the trajectory of the stock and then you say, okay, they're going to do 54% revenue year over year, and the stock hadn't really performed that well into the number. I just didn't expect the reaction that we're getting today. Jenny, they had to do something right because Goldman threw in the towel, finally, right? They had a sell call on yeah. Apple for, I don't know, as long as I can remember at this point. Their price target was $83. It has to be, frankly, one of the worst stock calls in recent memory that I can think of. Um, to Rod Hall's credit, he throws in the towel. He was contrite about it. He said they were wrong. Um, you know, I don't know what else an analyst is supposed to say when they when they have obviously made an error 
and, and change their call. You've got Tony Sakanagi. He reiterated his market perform. I was wondering if today was the day he was finally going to move off that. Eh, not. 132 is the price target. He wonders whether the results may have been too good. And that sort of goes to the is this as good as it gets kind of conversation. You don't own it. I mean, I don't know. What's your view? Would you buy it? No, not here. I'm in the Stephanie Link camp, which is that it's dead money for a long time. And I think that's essentially what Sakanagi and, um, and Rod Hall are saying. They're like, OK, look, you know, it's done well, but these price targets are not expecting anything. They're expecting it to sit flat. And I think when you say, is this as good as it gets? Talk about the time frame. Is this as good as it gets for the next 12 months? Yep. Is this as good as it gets for the next 10 years? Probably not. There's a lot ahead of it. Dead but I'm, money I'm for a long not time. not surprised. Quote, unquote. Jenny Harrington. I think so. It's going to be there up there go. on the wall. I can see it's going to be up on the wall. We're going to make a wall now of this. With pride. Jenny Harrington, who doesn't own but Apple. I think dead money <laughs> for a long I can see it in lights. Me too. I love it. And you know what else you're going to see in lights one day is Jenny Harrington <laughs> buys Apple because it's got a 4% dividend yield. That'll really be exciting. Um, but I don't think it was surprising, the response, because we've seen the same response over the past week with Netflix and Microsoft, which also delivered terrific, amazing numbers. These are great stories, but their share prices are already reflecting this, this what we're seeing today, and that's important, and we're going to see more of that as earnings season continues. Doc, so. I mean, this is going to be very disappointing to people if Jenny's right, and this thing is, quote, dead money Jenny's for right. a long time, right? Cowan's going to have egg on their face with their outperform target to 180. Jeffries is going to have omelet all over their suits, reiterating the buy and the price target to 175 and City 170 and all these price targets that are a lot further north than where the stock is trading now. Is it dead money for a long time now? Well, um, is 20 percent return dead um, I mean, from here forward, the reason I say that, Scott, from here is, forward, uh, is it going to be well, dead yeah, money from he, from here forward? No. Um, but if, if you have the biggest stock in the free world that uh, trades like, you know, that is so liquid uh, that you can move Warren Buffett size trades in and out of this particular stock, two point three trillion dollars or whatever is the market cap today. Um, and you can further enhance your yield owning one of the biggest, best stocks in the world and enhance that yield to 20% or more through the, that prudent use of that uh, covered right that I describe all the time, Scott. Um, this is a gift from the trading gods. I mean, I use this instead of a bank. I would much rather have Apple as my bank, own that asset, write these calls, I never have to put a new roof on this condo, Scott. I never have to worry about the Generac going out or anything like that. And I can make 20%. You show me another asset that I can own like that. Like I said, absolute without peer. The number one performer in the world as far as market cap, sales, you name it. Profitability. And I can continue to just write calls, write calls, write calls. If that's dead money, I want more of it. I want a lot more of it. And like my friend Kevin O'Leary would say, because I love money. I love money and I love getting cash flow. I cash flow out of this one 20% just like throwing a light switch every single time. Whoa. So um, I understand why Jenny doesn't like it. Uh -huh. Dividend yield. But I mean, like Josh said, the share count shrink 
when you're talking about $100 billion, I mean, this is just nuts that anybody wouldn't want to just be all hey, over why this would, Sorry, Why would Jenny, Jenny want... Why would Jenny want a higher dividend rather? So they just announced a $90 billion extension onto the, um, the repurchase plan. Arguably, dividends are not a better deal uh, than a share buyback from a tax standpoint. And one thing we know for sure, we may not know the number, but taxes <laughs> on the type of people that Jenny and I work for are going higher. So why do we think that double taxation in the form of a corporate dividend uh, getting the, the shareholder yield to 4% that way is preferable to the current shareholder yield, which I believe is over 4%, incorporating these massive uh, share repurchase plans, shrinking the flow. Well, let like, me why ask is you this. one definitely better than let, the other? Let, let's, let's move off of Apple specifically and wonder, okay, we're at the lows of the day for, stock. for stocks, right? We're just lows of the day for, for the market. I was going to ask you guys if you thought that these tech blowout reports, and they've all been blowouts, one after the other, have all been fabulous, mm -hmm. whether they were going to, quote, unquote, cancel the correction that everybody seems to be calling for. And here we are at the lows of the day after you've had, right? Remember Kramer said you're going into the gauntlet, the next 72 hours of the gauntlet. Now, the last part of that is Amazon, which is tonight. So we got to see what happens there. But if I would have told you that we'd get two-thirds of the way through the gauntlet that Kramer talked about, and I'd be telling you that the market's at the lows of the day after blowouts from Apple and Facebook and Microsoft and Alphabet, what's up with that, Jenny? Are we still in store for a correction? Is this a sign that we're not out of the pullback woods yet? I think that if we get a correction, it doesn't have anything to do with the earnings from these companies. The earnings from these companies and the, and the response from it is, I think, unique and specific to FANG. The reason that the stock market, that the S&P 500 is still up 12% and these guys are all flat is because what's been going on this year is there is a broadening of leadership. Actually, it's been going on since, the, um, since September of last year. So this broadening of leadership is really taking hold. I don't think that what we're seeing here has to do with a correction. If we get a correction, it's because we need a pause. And we've had plenty of people come on and say, hey, I expect you know down 8% from here. I expect a pause. You know, Maybe there'll be a taper tantrum. Who, who knows what comes our way? Who knows what derails the market? But it's not because of this. this is, these are mutually exclusive factors that are going to affect the market. Um, well, so I, yeah, I think, I think that's it. These I wonder, I, I mean, I know I, there's gotta be some people thinking about this, that you know, maybe it's this Degas President Biden and all this talk about cap gains tax and higher taxes and things like that are having an impact and they're going to have more of an impact than people want to give it credit for. Yes, Scott. So and what we're seeing with our clients is that there is definitely a fear about what's going to happen with the taxation. You know, Josh mentioned it. Uh, as we look at higher taxation, there could be some movements away, not getting into the market or even trying to sell some positions now. So that could be an impact. And but I think I'm going back to what Jenny just said. This is more of a consolidation. Uh, we're going to get a broader base of uh, stocks that will do well. So that's part of it, too. So it's a combination of events that's occurring right now. So why why, Josh, do you think, you know, Apple sold off, Microsoft sold off and Facebook's killing it today? I don't know. The last time I saw Facebook was up at least 5%, somewhere around that. They had their own blowout report. So why is that reacting in a way that Apple and Microsoft did not? 
again, I think that has more to do with expectations than results. And then expectations were huge. Their, right? th- they weren't low. Facebook face, for, expectations were big for Facebook. For, How could they have been low? No, but Facebook doesn't. Facebook doesn't. Facebook has uh, a lot of negative sentiment overhanging it for reasons that we've discussed on the show a million times. And you're well aware. Stock performance and doesn't represent there's that. There's always this. Right. Stock performance doesn't not reflect recently, that. No, but not no. recently. No. But well, keep in mind, keep in mind this stock. Hold on. This stock is flat from uh, last August up until the last week. You understand that, right? So this is not one of the FANG names that's been breaking out, making new highs, making new highs. Alphabet has, okay? Apple has made a, a new high more recently than Facebook. Facebook really took a long time to break out, like almost nine full months. So it's each of the, so we talk about these Is that right? I don't know if that's right. Colloquially. Apple made a new high more recently than go, Facebook. Go. Is that right? I don't know if that's right. Facebook's only 2.5% from right. its high. I don't know if that's but right. But it just happened. It just happened. Go pull up a chart. Don't don't take my word for it. Facebook peaked last summer and has been struggling for the last like eight or nine months. Meanwhile, you go look at Alphabet. It's been making new highs all year. It's up thirty four percent year to date. So each of these stocks, while we refer to them as a basket, really have their own storyline going on in the minds of investors. So I think that in the case of Facebook, they've had this sentiment overhang about political stuff, about the war that they're now in with with Apple over privacy, about uh, all sorts of other issues. And that has probably kept some of the enthusiasm back that you're now seeing expressing itself today. All this is is about expectations, who's bullish, who's bearish. And you see that change in real time when there's actual concrete news. But we should not think that all of these stocks have the same chart or have the same trend or have the same amount of buying going on because that's just not the case. They're all very different setups. Yeah, but there was a time not that long ago where they all seemed to move Jenny in tandem. They carried the load for the market for the longest period of time. So, okay, maybe they're not doing that anymore, but it can't be a great sign for the overall market if these stocks are not going to perform even as they blow out numbers from here forward. I, I, Josh's point's fine. I mean, okay, oh. Alphabet's been hitting new highs. That, that's great. Uh, so but is I Microsoft. I think it and, is. And Facebook, by the mm-hmm. way, had been hitting new highs fairly recently, too. It's not, Apple did not set a new high before Facebook. Fairly recently. Fairly I, recently. Like this month, on. Judge. This month. So, guys, I think it is a good sign that they're not acting in tandem quite the way they were. We've talked about this a lot. 2020 was a year of broad brushstrokes, stories that swept up whole groups. There was the work from home trade. There was a pandemic trade. There was a reopening trade. Everything got lumped together. The fact that these are performing individually this year is a really good sign. It shows that rational rational investment behavior is re-entering the, the stock market and people are saying, hey, these aren't all created equally. There are more than five companies, more than 10 companies to invest in. So I actually see that divergence as a huge sign of health. And Josh made a good point. Facebook was laggard of the, fa- of the fan group going in. Facebook also didn't have, compared to some of the others, didn't have revenues pulled forward last year. They have a much more steady um, future earnings stream of maybe 10 to 20% expect- expected growth going forward. It's steady. It's more predictable. Right. At least that's how we see it. Doc, um, so I think the individuality is important okay. to recognize here as Doc, a positive, not a negative. Dr. J, let me ask you about Amazon, right? I, I mentioned mm-hmm. it's the last of the so-called in the gauntlet for, for investors. Are they going to split their stock today? 
Um, there is a p distinct possibility, Scott. But then I thought that we might see Bitcoin on the balance sheet of Facebook. So that didn't happen. Um, just like, uh, you know, it's up to Jeff Bezos, even though he's uh, behind the scenes now at Amazon more than the guy that makes that decision. But I think it would be good for shareholders. I'm not saying it changes anything about the company. We all know that. Same market cap. But uh, to make the in entry and exit in that stop stock easier, rather, I think would be something that they would be applauded for doing and rewarded for doing. If I could just for a second, Scott, yeah. um, as far as your Facebook versus Apple, um, and why is that one up 5.5% and Apple's you know, down half a percent or whatever it is, I think it's, uh, number one, they cut CapEx by $2 billion, which is a really big cut, a 10% reduction in CapEx. Number two, one of the unknowns for each of these going into earnings, in the case of Apple, was how bad is the chip shortage going to affect mm -hmm. you? And they said it is going to affect us going forward. Now, in Facebook's case, how bad is Apple tightening up security and making it more transparent for an individual like you or me to cut out some of the tracking and some of the um, security issues that Facebook has been able to exploit through Apple? And uh, Facebook came out and said, nah, not really a problem. So I think that's why, instead of in the case of Apple, yeah, there is a bit of a problem. And it's the same thing that Caterpillar said, Ford said, everybody has said about the chip shortage. And on the other hand, you've got Facebook, which said, eh, we didn't really notice. Did Apple do something? Right, we didn't notice. Right. I mean, they have a billion people visiting that marketplace each month. When Zuck talked about that, mm -hmm. um, I think analysts' heads almost exploded, Scott. That's a lot bigger than people thought because, you know, they get a billion eight per day daily active users. But for a billion people a month to just go through Facebook and get to that marketplace, that's going to be like services is for Apple, manna from heaven for them going forward. So, yes, I thought that the reports were both great, but Facebook got the tip of the hat for doing more um, with those uh, responses uh, to what the people expected okay. than Apple was able to or anybody else. All right. Josh, give me 30 seconds on, on Amazon, how you look at this thing going into the, the, the print. Again, you know, not a barn burner going into the number. It, it is what it is. It is Amazon. What do you expect? So I, I'll give you the three things that I've been hearing from people that are either bullish or bearish on Amazon. And I'm not sure which one I'm leaning toward. Fortunately, I, I don't have to trade this thing specifically into the earnings. I'm a shareholder. And I will be tomorrow, no matter what. Um, the first thing is that new CEO, why not set the table with very conservative guidance uh, and give him the opportunity to leap over a lower hurdle as he takes the reins officially? Um, and so that would probably be short term negative for the stock, but not at all out of character for the way that Amazon thinks about the, the long term. Um, that's number one. Number two, I think a stock split while ludicrous, it, it would definitely juice the price of, of the shares. We saw that with Tesla last August. Uh, with no fundamental change at all, it pretty much doubled. Why, wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Um, why do you say ludicrous? That, what, give, me your, give me your point of view on, on that. It, why do you say because, ludicrous? It, because, because it doesn't change anything fundamentally about the company. It just creates excitement. And uh, again, if you're a shareholder, what do you care if it's ludicrous or not? Your stock price goes up. So I'm just, I'm, I'm speaking about the reality of doing a stock split, it really doesn't change anything about the company. 
but it definitely changes psychology among investors in the short term, and it does create artificial excitement. Well, so you don't think it do increases say, the pool of potential do, investors? I mean, if you take a $3,400 no, stock no. and you make the uh, entrance to it a little bit easier to swallow for people who want to buy maybe, you know, some Amazon and don't have $3,400 laying around to buy more than maybe one share, you don't think it has that impact? This is a $1.8 trillion market cap. Do we think Amazon is having trouble finding people to invest in it? No, but did you think Apple was having trouble finding people to invest in it? No, but Apple wanted to be in the Dow, and that's what they had to do because the Dow's price waited. Forget about the split. The third thing I wanted to say, and perhaps this is the most important thing, um, is that Amazon has the same chart as Facebook. So we talked about how Facebook had peaked last July and had been a laggard up until two weeks ago finally making a new record, far underperforming the NASDAQ, other FANG names, et cetera. Amazon is the same setup. And I don't think there is an excess of bullish sentiment going into this, which is why if they report a blowout, it's very conceivable that they will, by the way. They told us they have way more prime users than a lot of people thought in a letter last week. If they report a blowout, I don't think we would get an Apple-esque reaction. I think actually you'd get a Facebook-esque uh, reaction. So I am not trading this stock into earnings, but if I were, I would be trading it on the long side because I don't think a big beat is priced in, mm. and I think it looks exactly like Facebook did yesterday. Okay, good stuff. Uh, let's take a quick break. Go back and forth. Appreciate that. All right, still ahead, a number of stocks moving big on their earnings, plus John has unusual activity. We are also counting down to the CNBC stock draft, 2 o'clock Eastern time. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We are back on the half in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. The Biden administration has taken the first big step to ban menthol cigarettes. The process is likely to take years and also face heavy opposition from tobacco companies. The FCC launching a program to help lower-income Americans pay for Internet service and also pay for laptops and tablet computers. The temporary program has $3.2 billion worth of funding and will begin May 12th. A new study putting a number on the decline in cancer tests during the pandemic. Researchers at the University of Kansas say that there were 9.4 million fewer screenings in 2020 than the year before. 
Now, on the positive side, breast and prostate cancer testing had largely recovered by last July. And take a look at this video. What's that in the sky there? A bird? No, it's a drone carrying Girl Scout cookies. The troop in Virginia claims to be the first to deliver their treats via drones in partnership with Google's Wing subsidiary, which is coordinating orders and airborne transportation. Scott, apparently the Girl Scouts have been having a hard time because no one's out and about because of the pandemic. So um, possibly that's a solution. We'll see. Get out, buy your thin mints, whatever you like. Gotta help the Girl Scouts. All right, Rahel, thanks. Rahel Solomon. All right, take a look at shares of Qualcomm. And as you do, let me welcome in Farmer Jim Labenthal on the phone because he deserves to speak to you today. Up 4%, Jim Labenthal, your highest conviction going into earnings it felt like was Qualcomm. They delivered. Now you say what? Well, let me start by saying thank you for having me on. Sometimes these discussions are rather painful uh, when I get called in after earnings. So we know those days. It's nice to have a day like this. Don't worry. We're going to talk about Caterpillar next. All good. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. Um, Listen, here's the story with Qualcomm. The last quarter, they got beaten down after the quarter because nobody liked the guidance. But the deal was, was management was being conservative. They still weren't certain about what demand would look like this year and the chip shortages. And you had a trigger-happy uh, Wall Street after the stock had performed really well uh, in, in 2020. So that was the setup. I've owned Qualcomm for a long time, but I piled in in February and March when it got down uh, it, you know, as low as it did in the 130s um, because it was just too cheap. And now what we see with the report that came out last night is that they were way too conservative in the prior quarter. Um, It's too early, Scott, to say that we're in a super cycle for upgrade. It's just too early. But we're in a pretty good cycle. The chipset numbers that they're shipping are very large. The pricing is terrific. And that means the gross margin is good. But I'll summarize by saying this. Sometimes the markets dislocate around a stock. And that's what happened uh, in the first quarter of this year. It was a buying opportunity. I've owned it long term, but it was an opportunity to add to it. And I did. Okay, Um, and I got to ask you about Caterpillar. And and I have to be honest with you, uh, earlier today, I was thinking, well, you know, you sold it on January 14th. And I was going to say, well, you know, I wonder if you sold it too early. And then they had their conference call and the stock has now reversed itself, as you see on our chart here, and is now down three and a quarter percent. So I'm just wondering how you think about Cat for those who may have either gotten in, gotten out based on on your recommendations. Well, you see, that's what Caterpillar does. It it gets ahead of itself. Um, Nothing wrong with the quarter. Management's doing fine, but the stock gets ahead of itself. I sold too early. That's a factual statement. I sold at 195, and it's, you know, it's 15% higher. Um, But I was comfortable selling it because, as you know, Scott, I've got so much industrial and materials and and cyclical exposure. I mean, think about GM, Boeing, Northrop Grumman. I could go down the list. So getting rid of Caterpillar, which does have a history with me of disappointing on days like today. Granted, I was early, but I don't regret getting out. And Northrop beat, right? Yeah. Northrop, Northrop is still, uh, still undiscovered, underloved, um, for good reason, right? Because you've got Democrats in office, so defense spending is going to go down. But what people are starting to realize is that the things that Northrop Grumman builds are still going to have high demand no matter who's in office. Missiles, airplanes, drones, satellites, that's going to have high demand no matter who's in office. Man, Northrop hitting a new 52-week high today, $354 earlier in the session. Jimmy, thank you. I know you got to run. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Right, we'll see you back, you back. That leads me to Jenny, too. Jenny, you own Northrop, so we'll start with you there. 
Nice move today. Right. So Northrop, um, I think one of the things that here is that there were really low expectations. And I think with the Biden administration, people were thinking that they were going to cut defense spending. In fact, they didn't. They've got a $79 billion backlog. They raised guidance by about 4%. So it's just a good company and it's a nice, normal response, nice, normal earnings delivery. Nothing, nothing to get crazy about. Okay, let's move to some others and let's do it quick. Josh, give me something on MasterCard. Uh, this is one of the best financial services stocks over the last 10 years. I think it could continue to be. And I think incorporating more crypto, more blockchain into their public statements is probably helping to support the valuation as well. They want to be part of the future, and I think they will be. Okay, take that. Um, Ford, I wanted to do Ford uh, because the stock was down significantly earlier, even though nobody owns that. But Degas, you own General Motors. Josh owns General Motors. John is long GM calls. Degas, give me something on maybe Ford or, or why you choose GM over Ford as you look at that stock slide today. Yeah, so I choose uh, GM over Ford because of the uh, EV, uh, the electric vehicle investment by General Motors. They're making a $20 billion investment in this space, and that's the way forward. So that's why I choose GM over Ford. And that's why Josh has talked about, too, uh, the EV advantage that GM has had over Ford. Uh, Doc, give me something on Merck. You own Merck Calls. What do we think? That stock's on the move today, too. Yeah, and it's right in the middle of its range here, Scott. It's just kind of dead money. You know, Jenny talked about that top of the show. I'm going to say this one's kind of dead money. Um, just not going anywhere right in the middle of that range beginning of the year to here. Um, it's had a couple big peaks in the meantime. But, yeah, I'm just going to probably exit this trade uh, and look for a better place to invest. Scott. Okay. We started with Jenny. We're going to end with Jenny. Thermo Fisher is yours. It's down almost 5%. What's up? So here's another one where I think expectations were a little bit ahead of themselves. And we're seeing a lot of sensitivity, not to the actual numbers that are coming out, but to the expectations. So management raised guidance. They only raised it by about 1.6%. People are a little bit disappointed. I think there's tons of runway to make money here. We added this last March when the market had come back and planned to hold it for a very long time. So oh. this is just a temporary, you know, disappointment. All right. Oh. Yeah, it'll grow from here, I think. Okay. Thank you. The NFL Draft that kicks off tonight, CNBC Stock Draft is back, and there is just over one hour until the launch on Power Lunch. Our experts weigh in with their number one draft picks. They'll do that next. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, we're counting down to the annual stock draft here on CNBC. It's on Power Lunch, just over an hour to go until kickoff. You might know it was on hiatus for the year due to the pandemic, and it is virtual this year. We have a great lineup of people, and there are a number of big stocks up for grabs, like Apple and Walmart and Boeing and Nike and more. Everything from GameStop to Bitcoin. So we figured we'd get our own committee's picks. All right. I was going to give Jenny the number one pick here. However, there was news breaking <laughs> within the last hour, which leads me to go to Josh, because you'll understand this in a second. Josh, you're... Your number one pick in the stock draft would be? 
Well, John took John took my original number one. So my number two, which is now my number one, is Uber. Okay. Now there was news leading into our program today, right? The labor secretary apparently is saying that companies like that and Lyft and DoorDash should be classifying their employees as workers. And those stocks took a big dive on that news. Now, maybe that gives you more opportunity in the stock draft for a rebound. But what do you think about that news today? Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, can I please lock in today's low? I know, I was uh, thinking you were going to say that. Um, so, so he actually didn't say that. This is his quote. Quote, we are looking at it, but in a lot of cases, gig workers should be classified as employees. In some cases, they are treated respectfully, and in some cases, they're not. And I think it has to be consistent across the board. Let me explain this to anyone watching who doesn't understand what's going to happen here. The unions have already given up in California on employment status, and they're now focused on collective bargaining instead with these companies. And by the way, most major companies are on the side of having some compromise in between, as are most unions. This is not going to be warfare. The resurrection of Jimmy Hoffa, none of that's going to take place. It'll be compromise. It'll be state by state. The model in California, Prop 22, will be the national model. But again, state by state, it takes time. They happen to have referendum voting in California. We don't have that here in New York. So you have to buy a lot of politicians and it takes longer. But in the end, 55 million Americans are gig workers. Okay. Many of them are gig workers by choice. They don't want to be employees. They're not going to be. Uber will be fine. Lyft will be fine. Relax. All right. So, I mean, we should timestamp this. Let's just because we're going to track this ourselves now. I want to do that. We're at 1240. And I think this thing goes to the Super Bowl. The stock draft does. So we'll see who does the best based on your picks. Jenny, you have the now number two pick. Sorry, I had to drop you back one. Your pick is? I'm okay. As long as Josh didn't steal it, I'm fine with it. So my pick, in honor of being the NFL draft pick, is Viacom, which has rights to the NFL Sunday games Mm. and the Super Bowl. So you've got Viacom. We've got a shortage of content. They have 140,000 TV shows, 3,900 movies. It trades at nine times earnings. It's got a 2% yield. If you're doubting my ideas and my um, returns, Goldman two days ago upgraded it, gave it a price target that would show a 75% upside from here, and City yesterday did the same with a price target that would imply a 30% upside. So I think I'll make a lot of money on this between now and the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, something tells me you wouldn't have picked this a month ago, right? Oh, I did, though. But I also picked it last May yeah, when it was but, trading at 16 But you know bucks. what I'm saying. Would you have picked it to buy fresh? But i got to keep myself When it was, off. like, you know, in the stratosphere for a variety oh, yeah. of reasons we now know. All right. The yeah. number three pick, John Nigerian. Bitcoin, Scott. Um, I'm sure that doesn't shock you. Uh, I went almost all in last November. I took the money that we were taking off the table as the market rallied. And I poured it into Bitcoin, and I was very happy with that as Bitcoin just screamed to the upside. And then this year went up another 120% so far. I think Bitcoin finishes the year over 100,000 this year, Judge. Whoa. Um, So in other words, I'm looking at a double from this level this year. Um, And I think that's because of adoption, because of ease of trading, and institutional ownership, which is only accelerating just yesterday, Schwab also said that they were looking at offering it to their clients as well. So I think this one, it's sunny, and it's going to be just zoom to the upside in the fourth quarter. Wow. 
rocket ships to the moon. All right. Uh, thank you for that. We mm -hmm. should tell you NBA star Andre Iguodala, the supermodel and philanthropist Petronem Kova, TikTok star Josh Richards are just some of the names taking part in this year's CNBC stock draft. Kevin O'Leary is always all, all I was, I, I was going to say already talking trash. I slipped and said always, but he kind of always is talking <laughs> trash. So he always is talking yeah. trash. He already is. And he will have his picks. Stephanie Link, the Linksters in the stock draft, too. Go, Steph. We're back right after this. All right. We're going to do unusual in just a second. But Degas, I need your pick as well for the stock draft. I had to squeeze that break in. But what do you got for us? Apple, and I know everyone doesn't think that's going to happen, but Apple is the choice. The ecosystem is, is powerful, and moving forward, that's my choice first round. Well, it's, a good, it, it's a good day to make the choice. I mean, right? Just the company kills it, and the stock does nothing. So maybe there is only one way to go from here. Degas, thank you for that. All right, Doc, unusual activity. What do you have for me? Yep. All right, Scott, I'll make them quick. Keurig, Dr. Pepper, KDP. Uh, stocks 35.50 when we saw the unusual activity at the July 37 strike. So just out of the money, I bought the at-the-money calls. I will sell as it starts to rally a call against it, so I'm in a one-to-one -one position. Be in that one probably for two months. Second one, ServiceNow, 4,400 of these August calls change hands. August 530s with the stock uh, basically 512. I think that's a gift to be able to pick this stock up after blowout earnings at 512 bucks, I'm looking for a lot more upside and a big recovery. So I'm in this one probably for about two months as well. Scott. We blew the chart out of there pretty quick, but I mean, the stock's down eight and third percent today. I mean, that's the that's the opportunity you're speaking. Yeah, it of, is. Obviously. Exactly. And 512 was pretty much the low where the institutions came in and said, I want it. Buy them. OK. Ask Halftime is next. You can send your questions by video. We will play them on the air as well. Email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. We'll be right back. Okay, let's do it. Let's answer your questions now. Degas, you first from Imran in Karachi, Pakistan. Thank you so much for the question. What is the panel's view, in this case, Degas, your view, on Enphase Energy? What do you think? Enphase Energy as a whole, because they focus on making the micro-inventor for solar panels. Solar energy is a, is a big push now, great demand. This is a stock to be in. Jenny from Ray J in Pittsburgh. Thank you for getting me into Iron Mountain, IRM, the ticker for everybody playing wherever you are. Wonder if I should add more. What do you think? I think you could. Everybody thinks of this as a boring old document storage company, but they have a little bit of secret sauce, and that's the growth part of their portfolio in things like data centers. Meanwhile, it's got a 6.2% dividend yield. It trades at 12 times funds from operations. Those are growing at about 7%. So you couple that, that growth plus the earnings, and you have a really nice future return. Okay, Dr. J, uh, to you now from Rad in Dallas. Hey, John, does uh, Salesforce have a quote-unquote, they have it in quotes, high multiple problem, or is something else going on? Stock is not performing. Yeah, that's that consolidation for them absorbing slack, uh, Scott. So I, I think that uh, Mr. Benioff's company will get its footing back, but I think that's probably a couple weeks off still. Um, I like the stock, but I think that absorption is why that stock has traded sideways. Josh Brown, lastly to you from Larry in Tifton, Georgia. I'm looking to add to my position in Simon Property Group since it's a REIT. Should I hold it in my brokerage account, my IRA, or my Roth? Good question. 
Hit a 52-week high today, by yeah, the way, yeah. and has a 4.2% <clears throat> yield. And, Josh, it's up 45% year-to-date. Yeah, Judge, that is a great question. Thank you. So I, I would basically say this. I own REITs in my IRA accounts because if I don't, the distributions they pay out, they're not like stock dividends. You actually get taxed at ordinary income rates. And I don't need more taxable income and more taxes to have to pay. So try to own these things in a tax-deferred account if you can. And try to practice uh, dividend reinvestment. So when they make that distribution, you don't need the money right now in cash. You're better off buying more shares. I bought more Simon recently. I did an average up. It's up 100% from where I first bought it. It's up 46% year-to-date. I think it's a home run even from these levels. So I still like it. I'm sticking with it, and I add more. All right, good stuff. Thank you for that. Thanks for the questions, too. We'll do final trades next. All right, let's do finals. Degas, what do you have for me? Morgan Stanley, we purchased this stock. We really like it because one of the reasons is that they're working with clients to invest $250 billion in low-carbon projects. Okay. All right. Interesting. A new buy for Degas is uh, Morgan Stanley. Jenny, how about you? Verizon. They are proactively streamlining the business. The stock is cheap. Expectations are low. Oh. Josh, you still own this? I am. I like, I like when Jenny and I are on the same page. <laughs> what your final must be at the bottom there simon property is that right that's right scott good to see you <laughs> you as well real it's been fun jo- uh, doc <laughs> john Nigerian. all right scott um fire eye jp morgan and goldman just reiterated uh, buys on this one i like it i saw unusual activity during the show so i bought it okay let's throw up shares of apple uh, guys if we could before we uh, head on out again Blowout quarter uh, for all of big tech thus far. Amazon's after the bell tonight. Apple not really reacting well, though. At least the stock hasn't been uh, thus far. If we can get it, maybe not. Uh, There it is. That does it for us. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.